We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right. Hello, everybody. What's up? Welcome to Talking Buffalo Podcast, where we often highlight but are not limited to Buffalo sports, news, media, and entertainment. I am your host, Patrick Moran. You can find me on Twitter at Tweets. Thank you very, very much for locking in today. If you've not yet subscribed, please go ahead and do that right now. Subscribe, rate, and review. It really helps me continue to grow the show. And speaking of the show, we're going to take a little bit of a little detour today from the typical sports talk that we usually do on Talk Buffalo Podcast. And I'm excited about this episode. I got Kelly Dudzik from WGRZ TV Channel 2 in Buffalo. She's going to be my guest. Going to join in just a couple minutes. And Kelly, to me, without question, one of the better TV journalists, Grayson TV screens throughout Western New York out there. And we're totally going to dig into her life and into her career, which, you know, this is one of the biggest reasons why I love doing this podcast. Like the meat and potatoes of what got Talking Buffalo podcast on the map, so to speak, to begin with. And that's these type of chats where I give fans an opportunity to really know more about the people beyond just the great work that they do. I love doing this. And quite frankly, it's been a while since I've had a first time guest on the show to be able to to chop it up with like that. So yeah, I'm really excited. And one of the one of the many things about Kelly in her career that's really fascinating me is how well-traveled she is. I, I feel like, I think everybody out there at some point in your life, man, you, you need to get out there and, and you need to, you need to experience other towns and, and other states and, and other cultures. And man, I'll tell you what, Kelly has definitely done that. So you want to talk about traveling. Kelly grew up in Connecticut. Uh, she graduated from Syracuse in New York, of course. And then in terms of her work career, she had stops in Wilkesbury, Pennsylvania, uh, Cincinnati, Ohio. Then she somehow, and this was a fun story how she ended up there, all the way in Great Falls, Montana. Yes, Montana. Spent a couple years there. And then she went to Little Rock, Arkansas, before finally coming to Buffalo and joining Channel 2 back in 2013. So like I said, man, a a life well-traveled for Kelly. And we're going to talk about all those stops. We'll talk about what got her into wanting to do TV journalism to begin with. We'll talk some of the pros and some of the cons about the job. We'll talk a little bit about 
the city of Buffalo and Western New York. I'll get her takes on that. Um, I ask her her favorite wing spot. Of course I do. I do that with everybody. Not a big surprise. Little spoiler alert with uh, with the spot that she went with. But yeah, man, just some great stories from Kelly along the way. And of course, we're going to finish with the fun fact finale, which again, man, it's been a while since I've gotten to do one of those things on my show. Great stuff with a great lady and a very, very talented one at that. Let's not waste any more time here. Let's just jump into it right now. Here it is, my chat with Channel 2 in Buffalo's Kelly Dudzik. All right, I am joined right now by Kelly Dudzik from WGRZ-TV, Channel 2 in Buffalo. Hey, Kelly, what's going on? Thanks for being on the podcast. No problem. I'm excited to be here. Well, I'll tell you what, it's been a minute since I've had somebody from uh, Channel 2 or any TV news person on the show. Really? Uh, I'll tell you what, right off the bat, you're way better looking and way smarter than Anna Benini. So let me just. Oh, uh, <laughs> Ooh, I will have to tell him you said that. <laughs> you do that. But I haven't seen him in person in a while. He's been working from home. So next time I see him in yeah. person, I'm going to tell him that. <laughs> All right. So for everyone listening, I kind of want to keep the format the same, The you know, the same tried and true format of this podcast. Whenever I get someone on like Kelly, it's about giving fans an opportunity to learn more about you besides just the great work that you do on TV. So I kind of want to actually go all the way back to the beginning. We'll talk your life and your career. Now you grew up, you're not from Western New York. You grew up in Manchester, Connecticut. Let's start there. What was life like for a young Kelly Dudzik in Connecticut? Yeah. So Manchester is a suburb of Hartford and it's right between New York City and Boston. And it was a great place to grow up. I would say like your typical suburb. Um, You know, I was in Girl Scouts. I was in choir. I have a younger brother and sister. And uh, yeah, I got interested in TV news in high school. So pretty early on, I I knew that this is what I wanted to do. It's so funny as I've got an opportunity over the last couple of years to talk to a lot of people in in news media and sports media, how some people they know as young as when they're eight, nine years old. Sometimes they don't figure it out until they're like late into college that this is something that they uh, that they want to do. Or in a lot of cases, like yourself, around the, those high school years, like what were some of the the things that you were into as a kid? Like what were a couple of the hobbies, things that you really liked and enjoyed doing when you were young? So I liked the outdoors. I can say I don't like the outdoors as much now, but (laughs) we went camping a lot (laughs) as a family when I was a kid. So we did a lot of hiking. Um, I hiked Mount Washington when I was in high school. Our Girl Scout troop and a Boy Scout troop went on a camping trip together. So that that was very memorable and I would say a fun experience. We did a lot of educational vacations. So everything with my parents was educational. So we went to a lot of historic sites. We went to a lot of museums. And I feel like I appreciate that more now than I did at the time, because all of my friends would be going to like Six Flags and doing all sure. this stuff that I thought was really fun and cool. You know, we, we did go to Disney as a family, but we were always doing these educational vacations. A lot of stopping on the side of the road and looking at historical markers with my mom and dad. And I think <laughs> that we all just thought it was really boring. But now I appreciate that stuff. I mean, I like watching documentaries. I, you know, I grew up watching 
PBS and Nova. And, and I thought, you know, at the time, oh, this is boring. Why can't I watch, you know, the PG-13 movies that all my friends are watching? But, you know, it, it made me the person I am today. Well, when you, you talked about getting interested in in what field you're in now, like when you're in high school, like, was it something specific? Like, did you know that like you wanted to be in front of the camera? Were you interested in radio? Was it journalism? Was it writing? Like, like, like what out of those like really stood out to you pretty, pretty early? I would say a little bit of everything. I did do the morning announcements in junior high school. So that was really my first broadcasting type thing that I did. So Illing Junior High School, I was one of the morning announcement people. And then in high school, my sophomore year, I joined MHS TV News and we did a monthly newscast where everybody would go to the auditorium to watch the newscast we did and we would put together stories. And that's where I learned how to shoot and edit my own video, make graphics, um, but it was a very, you know, like shoestring budget. We had a set that was donated by Home Depot that was made out of scraps of countertops. Uh, <laughs> we would like tape together scripts and kind of hold them in front of the camera. And then we started typing out like Word documents with a really giant font and putting it on the monitor that way. And that was our teleprompter. Uh, the, if you look back at the videos now, the graphics look really, really cheesy. But there are a lot of us who did that who are now working in TV news. There are actually like two people who went to my high school that were in my sister's. Well, one was in my sister's class and one was a year younger than me work at CNN now. So, I mean, it, it was wow. a really good. Yeah, it was a really good program that's still going strong. I had stories air on Fox 61, their kids news. They would air in the afternoon during um, DuckTales. And so you would see my stories all across Connecticut, which is pretty cool. This is high school? Like, yeah. So like what other 15 year old can say that they did that, you know? Everything you're describing right now, I'd be like, okay, that's kind of par for the course. When I speak with a lot of news media people, the difference is that's usually in college. That ain't in high school, yeah. man. Oof. Yeah, no, I was, I was doing it. <laughs> I was doing it in high school, which was cool. And it was a new program. I mean, all this technology was new. I'm sure that my high school had to get grants to be able to buy the SVHS camera that we had and the editing equipment that we had, um, you know, because that's a big that's a big deal because I, I went to a public high school. So I don't know that the funding was there for that kind of stuff. It was an extracurricular activity um, that I was just really lucky to have access to. Well, I'll tell you, I hear all the time people say that I was destined to do this. I mean, in your case, it's. That's a legit statement right there. Yeah. I got to ask you, I got to ask you about college right now. You went to Syracuse for college. Yes. So many sports and news media people that I know and that I've talked to on this podcast over the last few years went to Cuse. I'm going to ask you the same thing I ask all them. Why did you go there? Were there other schools that you considered going to or was it Cuse for you all the way? Now, obviously it's known as a, journalism school. And I'm yep. sure that played some role in your decision, but why'd you go there? And what other schools did, did you even think about any other schools? So I found out about SU because a guy who was two years ahead of me, who also did MHS TV news, Mark Brody. And I think he ended up working for NPR. He was going to Syracuse. So that's how SU got on my radar. And then I applied to a few other schools and I ultimately decided I was deciding between SU and Emerson 
And SU just offered a better um, liberal arts education because they made you pick a minor and they also allowed you to touch the equipment and do stuff before your junior year. And at the time, Emerson was like, you're not going to be doing TV type stuff until your junior year. So I chose to go to SU. Now, what were like some of the things that you did while you were at CUSE that kind of, you know, helped sharpen your skills, hone your craft, you know, prepare you for your career? I read that you were the news director of the student run TV station as one of those things. Like, what were some of the things that you learned while you were there? Yeah. So at the time, it was called UUTV. It's since uh, switched names. I think it's Citrus TV now. So I started out as. At the time, we were called one-man bands. Now they're called MSJs, multi-skilled journalists. So I started doing UUTV freshman year. And at that point, we were shooting on three-quarter inch tape. So what that meant is that you had to carry around this gigantic camera that was in this like bulletproof case that looked like a large piece of luggage. And then you also had to carry around a tape deck that was like a giant VCR that you would put these three quarter inch tapes in. So you'd have to carry around both of those giant pieces of equipment. And I was paired up with another guy in my class and we would go around one day a week and shoot each other's stories. So that really got me, you know, I continued doing what I was doing in high school. It got me into it freshman year, which is what I wanted to do. And ultimately I worked my way up. So I was news director, I think by junior year. And I was anchoring newscasts that you could see on the closed circuit TV all across campus. And then we would also have to, somebody with a car would have to take the tape after we recorded our newscast because we did one every day and we were split up into like groups. So you'd anchor a newscast once a week or something. Someone with the car would have to take the tape and drive it down to Adelphia Cable so that it could be shown on the cable system the next day. Hmm. So that's, that's what I did in college. That that's a lot. That's yeah. a lot. I want I'll tell you, Kelly, one of the one of the things that about your career that that fascinates me and, and I want to spend some time uh talking about it. As somebody who was born and raised in Buffalo and now lives in Florida, well, at least for the moment, I'm in Florida anyway. I've spoken with a lot of people on local news stations here in Buffalo before that are kind of like born they're born and raised in Buffalo, and for the most part, except for maybe when they went off to school. They've spent their whole life there in a way that's really cool. But in another way, it's like, well, you haven't really lived if if you haven't experienced (laughs) other parts of the country and other cultures, because things are different in other parts of the country and other towns and other states. And one of the things I I love about you and and about your career, which again, ultimately led you to Buffalo and WGRZ, and we'll get to channel two in a couple minutes, but I want to talk about some of the the stops along the way first. And you can kind of tell me a little bit about like each area you live. Like we'll talk about the job and also just about the area that you live. And again, this is from homework that I've done on you, Kelly. So I know you spent after school, you spent nearly a year at WBRE in Wilkes-Barre, Pennsylvania. So now you're born again, you're raised in Manchester, you go to school in Syracuse and your, and your first like post job is, is in Pennsylvania. What was that like? Well, I started working less than two weeks after graduation, and I think it helped that I chose to be a producer instead of a reporter right out of school because it was easier to find a job. Um, Even now, like it's still really hard to find good producers. So if you've watched The Office, since that was an NBC show and WBRE 
was an is an NBC station. You've probably seen like the call letters in cutaway shots in the show The Office because that was set in Scranton and we were also the NBC station for Scranton. So it's Wilkes-Barre Scranton. Ah. So it's like a duo market thing because the two cities are really close together. So I was there for less than a year. And the reason was because my schedule was just really hard. I worked weekend overnights and then I worked days, three days a week. So I just never really got used to that schedule. And I also didn't have a car. So I would have to take a cab ride from my apartment to the station because I'd have to get there at three in the morning on the weekends. And I didn't feel like it would be wise for me to walk. I lived close enough to walk, you know, normally, but at three in the morning, I didn't want to be walking around by myself. So I would always call, call up the cab company and the same cab driver would come and pick me up and drop me off so I could run in and hit record on the CNN feed for three o'clock. And then I was the only one in the newsroom until the show editor came in at like seven in the morning. So that was weird. You get used to the scanner sounds, but it's kind of creepy being in a big newsroom by yourself. Um, yeah. But yeah, but I learned a lot in Wilkes-Barre. A lot of the people I worked with are still there. There was an anchor, Andy Mahalshik, who's still there, who started in 1985 as an intern and is their lead investigative reporter now. And he's from Wilkes-Barre and has been there at that station for his whole career. So I, I ended up leaving mostly because the schedule, I just couldn't get used to it. It was really hard to have work-life balance and have a social life outside of work. So I felt like all I was doing was working. So I ended up applying for a few producer jobs and that's how I ended up in Cincinnati. And I, I loved my time in Cincinnati. I worked for the Fox station there. I was a producer and it was really intense, a, a really intense newsroom. But again, learned a lot, learned how to be a better writer, a faster writer, and also work with a bunch of different personalities, which they don't really teach you about in college. That's something you kind of have to learn on the fly. Sure. I'm, I'm just blown away that you graduated college, like two weeks after college, you yeah. already were, were in the field. And by the way, The Office is literally, the office is literally my favorite show of all time. Awesome. Literally, awesome. it's my, my yeah. number one show of all time. So yeah, so you go to Cincinnati. You work yep. there and, and this one is wild to me. Okay. So, so after Cincinnati, you went to, you spent two and a half years, Great Falls, Montana yes. as a producer, anchor and reporter. All right. I got to ask you this. How in the world did you end up in Montana? And was that, was that big culture shock for you? At least initially yes. anyway. Oh my gosh. Yes. So I ended up there because of an SU connection. So a couple of the guys I knew from college had gotten jobs as reporters and anchors in Great Falls, Montana. So I had one of the directors in Cincinnati help me make like a sample newsreel because at that point I had been out of college for three and a half years. So all my stuff from college was outdated and I would never show that to a news director. So I just did like a two minute long newsreel of me anchoring a couple of stories that I had written and made a bunch of dubs of tapes. And I had one of my friends walk it into the news director's office in Great Falls. And I ended up being offered the job over the phone, but I wanted to make sure I saw what life was like in Montana before I accepted the job. So I flew myself out to Montana and visited for a couple of days and actually like met the news director who actually worked in Billings, which was like three hours away from Great Falls. So when I was hired, I was hired as an EP and I managed the newsroom for a few years. 
because our sister station had the news director in Billings, Montana, which was a, an entirely separate TV market. Wow. Did, yeah. Tell me a little bit about Montana. Like, so you go there, you said yeah. you wanted to see it. Did, did, did you, did you like it again? Somebody who grew up in Connecticut, goes to school in New right. York, works in Pennsylvania, works in Ohio. And now you're in, now I've never been to Montana, but I'm confident that it's pretty different. Like what was life like for you on a social level, personal level in Montana for two and a half years? Well, so first of all, you get off the plane and there's a bunch of taxidermy in the airport. Like it's all taxidermy of all the animals hmm. that you will find in Montana. And it's a tiny, tiny airport. And I, I visited and I had a good visit and I was like, okay, I'm going to do this because I decided I wanted to be an anchor and a reporter instead of being a producer, which is what I originally wanted to do in high school. And I figured I was in my mid twenties. If I didn't do it, then I was just never going to do it. So I ended up packing up all my stuff. I had Mandy and Katana, my two cats at the time, put them in their crates in my car, brought as much stuff. I, I hired movers. That's the only time I've ever hired professional movers because it was like a 3000 mile move. And I yeah. packed up as, yeah, I packed up as much of my stuff or it wasn't 3000 miles, but it felt like it. I packed up as much of my stuff as I could in my car and drove. And it took me three days. It was 33 hours. I divided it out and did like 11 hour days. And I stopped in Illinois and I stopped in South Dakota. And then the third day I made it to Great Falls. And I ended up like living out of the stuff that I had in my car with me, living out of my suitcase for like three weeks because this moving truck jackknifed somewhere in Wyoming and ended up getting all my stuff to me way later than it was supposed to get to me. So that was the beginning oh, of my adventure. <laughs> and then Montana is, you're right, it's a totally different culture. So if anybody has been to Glacier or Yellowstone, those places are out there. They're beautiful. And I would not have gotten to visit them probably if I hadn't lived there. Um, but there are a lot of cowboy boots. Western wear is a big thing and it is very expensive. I also went to my first and only rodeo when I lived in Montana, the Belt Rodeo, which was a suburb of Great Falls. A suburb there had 3,000 people and that's it. Great Falls, was Montana. Was it fun? A, yeah. No, it was a blast. And I'd never seen anything like that before. Um, so that was an awesome experience. Like I sat up on top of the live truck and watched this rodeo, which probably wasn't super safe. Um, but Great Falls, Montana had the same population as the town I grew up in, but there are no other big cities around it. Like you have to drive five hours or something to get to Spokane. Like a lot of people who lived in Great Falls never left to really visit any other bigger cities because airfare is super expensive I think I visited home once or twice when I lived there and the plane tickets were more than what my rent was. So it's just, it's really hard to be mobile if you don't have a car or if you don't have access to the extra cash to be able to buy plane tickets to, um, was Boeing. it Kelly? Was it like, say when you went to, was it one of those towns or areas like when you, like there's just one store and there's one, you know, like, whatever the equivalent of like say a target or a Walmart or whatever yeah. it may be. Oh, yeah, was yeah. it like a lack of stores? Did you have to take long rides to, to get things or was like everything in this one little, you know, small compressed area? What was that? There like? was, yeah, there was one main strip and that's where the Albertsons was. The target was, there was an old Navy. I, they got 
a Starbucks when I lived there. So stuff was coming, but if you wanted to go to a bigger mall, you had to drive a few hours to Bozeman, Montana, which is where one of the colleges is. And their mall had more stuff than the Great Falls Mall. So it was, it was just not what I was used to. You know, I, I grew up somewhere like Buffalo where you could just go to whatever store you wanted to. Um, yeah. So it was, yeah, it was, it was different. <laughs> All right. So you're there for two and a half years. Yeah. And from then, from there, you go to Little Rock, Arkansas. You spent over five years there. You're an anchor and reporter for a Fox affiliate. I'm telling you at this point, as I was going through your, your file, I'm like, oh, Kelly's one of maybe one of the more well-traveled people that I've ever talked to on this show. Again, I'll go through the list again, Connecticut, New York, Pennsylvania, Ohio, Montana. Now you're in Arkansas. What brought you to Arkansas? So yeah, another region. So the job, purely the job. I think I sent out probably a hundred resume reels. And at that point you're sending out tapes, I think still, I think they were VHS tapes. So you'd have to, yeah. I remember being at the post office in Great Falls, Montana, and they kind of get to know you and they're like, oh, you're back again. And you're going in with like trash bags full of your resume packets. And so I saw that this Fox station in Little Rock, Arkansas was looking for a reporter. And I wanted to be somewhere that did more live shots because our live truck in Great Falls, Montana was always breaking. So I ended up getting the call and I was flown out for an interview, which I think now mostly everything's done through Zoom or Skype. But I went to Little Rock and within six months, I was anchoring the weekend newscast with my co-anchor, Justin Early. And I made a lot of really good friends in Little Rock. Um, I was there for a while because I wanted to make sure I had enough experience to be able to go somewhere after Little Rock where I knew I could stay like Buffalo. But Little Rock was great. I mean, I had a great newsroom full of people who were from all over the country. Um, and we covered all kinds of breaking news. We did, we, if there was a fire, we would go anything, you know, it was very like breaking news heavy, lots of live shots. I covered a lot of school board meetings and I also did tornado coverage, which is awful. It's just it probably the most destruction I will ever see in my life. Um, it was it was horrible. And unfortunately, I had to cover a lot of tornadoes. Uh, well, you, you won a Mid-America Emmy in 2011 for your yes. work, not to mention several other honors. What's it like being able to have a moniker of Emmy winner in front of your name? Because I'm going to tell you right now, if I ever won an Emmy, I would everybody would know it every day. Like uh, if you said, hey, what's going on, Patrick? I wouldn't be like, don't call me Patrick. You call me Emmy award winning Patrick. No, it was, it was a good what, what was that yeah. honor like for you? No, it was great. And, you know, I didn't even go to the ceremony because it was in St. Louis that year, I think. So I found out that I won because one of my coworkers sent me a text. So I wasn't wow. even there. I wasn't even there. And um, I, I got to win my Emmy with Chance Horner, who is an awesome photographer. And he's actually now at one of our Tegna sister stations in Dallas, and he's doing awesome work down there. So it was really cool to be able to win that with him and to see his career progress. I think he went to Miami and then ended up in Dallas and is like this star photographer now. So I can say I knew him way back when. Um, but that probably helped me get the job here in Buffalo. All of that experience 
um, you know, doing every kind of story imaginable and covering a big part of the state because our coverage area, the market size was pretty similar to Buffalo, but you could go two, two and a half hours to do your story for the day. And I worked nights. So there were some nights where I wasn't coming back to the newsroom to like one or two in the morning, and then you still had to do your web story. So there were a lot of long days, but I definitely learned a lot and worked with a lot of awesome people. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, so let's get to Buffalo. In spring yes. of 2013, you ended up in Buffalo, got a job at WGRZ-TV. Tell us about how that opportunity came about for you, and was it a tough decision for you at the time, or was it a pretty easy one? So, yeah, how did it come about for you, and was it a difficult decision or no? So it was an easy decision to say yes. Again, I had to send out like 100 resumes, and I knew I wanted to come back to the Northeast. So I was targeting the Northeast because I wanted to live somewhere where I could drive home to visit my family and not have to take three different flights, sure. like when I lived in Montana. Um, sure. So I flew out here, met with the news director, Woody, who was awesome. And I was just really impressed with the station because I was coming from a station where if you wanted to do a story that was longer than a minute and 20 seconds, you had to get management approval. Like that was protocol. And Woody sent me links to stories that Scott Brown and Dave McKinley did that were like six, seven, eight minutes long, and they were really good. And like, why isn't every station doing this? So I flew in and I auditioned and then ended up getting a job here, which was fantastic. It seems that you have, a, and I know it sounds cliche to say, but it's true. It seems from watching you on TV and, you know, how the way everyone interacts with channels. So it seems like you have a, a good relationship with your colleagues at the TV station. Kind of speak on that a little bit, like the relationships inside a TV station and how important they are, because I feel like chemistry is, you can't front, you can't fake chemistry, man. You you either have it or, or you don't. And if you don't have it, I think people are going to see right through it. So kind of just speak a little bit about your relationship with, with your colleagues at, at Channel 2 and the chemistry that you guys have. So Channel 2 is the most professional newsroom I've ever worked in. And that's not saying that the other ones were unprofessional. But the reason why I like it so much is that you have 
a bunch of people who are at different spaces in their journey. You know, you have people who are just starting out. You have people who are in the middle of their careers like me. You have people who've been there longer than me. So I really was missing that in Little Rock because I ended up staying there longer than most people in our newsroom. And I think by the time I left, there was only one reporter who had been there longer than me left. So I was really craving people I could look up to who could be mentors for me because I already had like me being a mentor to other people under my belt. So I love the fact that at Channel 2, there are people I can mentor and there are also people I can learn from who've been through it. So that balance to me is super important. And it's also important, I think, to have a mix of people who grew up here, a mix of people like me who've lived all over the place and who are now you know, making their permanent home here and people who are just starting out who might be where I was when I was first starting my journey. So I think that diversity is super important and not every newsroom has that and not every newsroom has that kind of vibe where people feel comfortable approaching other people for help and advice. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I'm going to ask you a question and I'm sure you've been asked this before by people, you know, whether it's an, a podcast, a newspaper article, whatever it may be, but like your, your job itself, like what, what do you consider your favorite part of your job? Like throughout this interview, you've spoken about some of the hardships depending on like location, especially yeah. when you first starting out, you know, the long ride, stuff like that. Like, what do you consider your favorite part of the job? Like what you enjoy doing most? And then conversely, you know, I don't want to say least favorite, but like an area of your job that you find most challenging. Let's, let's, let's put it that way. I think I'll start off with most challenging. And I think that a lot of people struggle this with in a lot of different fields. I would say the work-life balance issue. And it's really easy in this job to just focus solely on the job. And, you know, you're kind of on call 24 seven. If, if something happens, you're expected to respond and go in and, that can lead to burnout. There's a lot of burnout in journalism, especially now, and especially with the addition of social media that was not a thing when I first started out. Um, so I feel like getting a grip on that work-life balance is super important. And that is the best advice that I have for people who are just starting out or struggling. Just make sure you have that work-life balance. Make sure you have friends outside of work because it's also really easy to only hang out with people you work with, especially if you work weird hours and you're working at night, you end up hanging out with a lot of TV people. And then that can just turn into this vicious cycle of people just complaining about work all the time, which is not healthy. Sure. Yeah. Sure. I would also say another challenge is navigating office politics. And that's something that I've just learned how to manage through experience. And that's something that I always tell college students who I talk to, like, make sure you're aware of it, make sure you're aware it's going on and ask for help if you need help. Uh, the best part of the job is getting to learn a lot about a lot of different topics. You have to be super curious and want to learn. And I think that that's something that, you know, is circling back to how I grew up and all of those educational vacations. Like we were always learning about things that, maybe you didn't think you'd be interested in. So I learned something new every day. And I also like being able to advocate for people. Like during um, the pandemic, I've been doing a lot of stories about unemployment and people who've had issues getting their benefits and getting in touch with the Department of Labor. So just hearing from all those people and being able to maybe 
you know, if I've helped one person, that's awesome. Um, helping to connect people with the resources they need so that they can live better lives. You're a pro who's, you've been in this business long enough to know the difference working in a normal newsroom versus a newsroom that's been going on with COVID. Like if somebody's pretty yeah. much new to the business, it hasn't been around, they really don't know all that much of a difference. How challenging and hard was it professionally with COVID? Obviously it sucked for everybody personally. I mean, that, that goes without saying, but professionally, how much did it affect your job? How much harder did it make your job to do over this past year? And I mean, it's still not completely over yet, but how hard was it professionally this last year with COVID being a news journalist like yourself? So I was filling in on daybreak and then got a call at like five in the afternoon from my boss saying, don't come in tomorrow. And I had started taking my laptop home with me a few days before that. And then I worked from home exclusively for three months. I was paired up with the same photographer, Nate Benson, the whole time. So he would come to my house and we would turn our stories where I'm sitting right now, my dining room table. And finally in June, they let some people back into the building. There were some people who never left the building, but that's when I was allowed back into the building was last June. And I'm there and there are people there measuring for plexiglass dividers. So we have plexiglass dividers up now and everybody is still not all back in the newsroom. So that's weird because we're used to having lively debates and discussions every morning at our editorial meeting. Well, now that's all done on Zoom. So that's been a weird thing to get used to. I remember the first interview I did in person was with Mayor Byron Brown in May. I hadn't interviewed anybody in person since the beginning of March. So that was super weird. Um, not wearing a mask while reporting, you know, wearing a mask. And then now we don't have to wear masks anymore. Right. That was weird to get used to. But there are a whole bunch of people who did their senior year of college during COVID and are now starting their careers during COVID. And they probably haven't met any of their coworkers yet. We've had people start during COVID and I, you know, I finally got to meet some of them a couple months ago. So I, I just can't imagine starting out your career during this time, but I feel like everybody adapted pretty well. Like, thank God we have stuff like zoom. That's how I've been doing most of my interviews. Um, but people adapted and the shows got on the air and that just shows you how strong all of our newsrooms are with the teamwork because every yeah. newscast still got on the air. All right. So let me ask you this, Kelly. I want, I want to get your take on social media because oh, it's yeah. like a double-edged sword. It's a double-edged yep. sword to me. On one hand, it gives you an opportunity as, as a news person to connect with your audience on a, on a more personal level if you want. And obviously you get your, your stories out for the world to see instantly just with a, a click of a button. But as you yeah. know, I'm sure there's also an ugly side to Twitter as well with, with trolls and just, you know, mean mm -hmm. people who want to incite reactions from news people, celebrities, whoever it may be, public figures, because they can. Like, how do you balance that? Yeah, so the mean people used to only reach us if they called the newsroom or hand wrote a letter and actually mailed a letter. But now it's really easy yeah. for them to reach all of us. And, and it is a double-edged sword because social sure. media is awesome to be able to connect with people, to get story tips, ideas. I do a Facebook Live every day during midday, and I, I've connected with a bunch of people who join me every day, and it's like we have our own little community, and it's fantastic. But there are also trolls, so you have to figure out what your strategy is to be able to deal with the trolls. Some people push back and engage with them, 
Um, usually I don't do that. My strategy is to not give them energy and yeah, it's tough. I mean, you have to have a thick skin. People are going to be nasty, but just know that for every person out there who's nasty, there are a lot of nice people and you know, it's really easy for people to hide behind their keyboards now and just type in mean things. Because you've lived in so many places and you've experienced so much, so much culture. Uh, you know, I value your comparisons and your thoughts more than most people. So I'm going to ask you, like, what is it about Buffalo, living in Buffalo so far? Because you've been there for, for a while. Now, you're a Buffalonian at this point. Like, what is it about Buffalo and Western New York that, like, you love most? I think that there's always something going on. Like, you cannot say that you're bored if you live here. And I remember growing up, people were like, oh, I can't wait to leave here. There's nothing to do. And again, like even in my hometown, there's always something to do. You're close to a bunch of different cities. There's stuff going on. I love that in Buffalo, like where I live, I can walk to a bunch of different places. Like my goal every weekend is to try to be able to walk where we're going and not have to drive. And I can do that where I live, which is awesome. And, you know, there's always something happening and there's always something new to explore. Um, my husband, I met him at work cause he used to work at channel two and he had never been to the Darwin Martin house and I hadn't either. So we had a four day weekend the other weekend and we went and it was great. It was great. We were like, why hadn't we done this before? So I think that there's just a variety of things you can do. You have easy access to the falls, to Canada. We love going to Canada and we've missed being able to go. And you're never bored. You know, you can't say that you're bored. And also, you know, one thing I didn't like about living in Arkansas was the heat and humidity and doing sweaty live shots. So I don't have to do that here. I'd much <laughs> rather deal with the cold. <laughs> so you are one of those people, if you have your choice, it, you'd rather be cold because it's easier yes. to stay warm as yes. opposed to being really hot and humid because it's harder yep. to stay cool. I agree yeah, 100%. Exactly. I, again, I've been exactly. In a, yeah, I'm, you can I'm always Florida, put on man. more I, layers. <laughs> I, I, yeah. I hate living in Florida in the summer, at least anyway. It's paradise in the winter, but it's awful in the summer. It's just so well, hot. Well, at least sticky. most places there 20... have air conditioning. They do. But if you go yeah. outside and you, for 15, 20 minutes, or you get in your car, by the time the air comes out and gets cold, you get out of your car, you're ready to have to take another shower. And it's gross. Exactly. Like, yeah. I would go yeah. to work and say, like, why did I bother showering? Because I'd get in my car to go to work, and I'd just get all sweaty when I lived in Little Rock. <laughs> yeah. I, so, quick, fun, funny story. So- well, it's not, it's funny now. It wasn't funny at the time, but I had an older car when I first came down here. And I have a son who was at the time he was in eighth grade. He was going into his freshman year of high school. So he didn't drive to him. And this was the only car I had to drive him. The air conditioning broke. And I had to go through a whole Ooh. summer in Florida with no air conditioning. So ro windows rolled down 97 degrees. It felt, ugh, it was the worst 15 minute ride every day of my life, every day. <laughs> but yeah. anyway, all right. What other Buffalo thing too? I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you this because I personally am a huge wings and to a lesser extent pizza guy. Like I'm not going to lie to you. That's a significant part of why I look forward to coming <laughs> back to Buffalo and potentially living there. Now I know I'm more than most, but like, do, do you like wings in Buffalo? Easy are, access are there a couple to spots? good wings. Yeah. Yeah. Gabriel's gate is my favorite. I would say. Yeah. I would Very say just if place. you want, yeah, if you want solid wings, go to Gabriel's Gate. You can go other places too, but for sure, for sure. I've probably been there the most and have enjoyed those wings multiple times. 
Yeah, they're good, and they're they're a popular pick. And you, you're, I yeah. mean, you you ain't lying. There's no shortage of places in Buffalo you go to for uh for great wings. One more question, and then we'll get to the fun fact finale. Because well, I usually ask before I get to that uh, uh, an advice question, but I think you did such an awesome job earlier when you talked about the challenges with burnout and everything that you kind of answered that already. But give me a couple things. Not wings, because you said you like wings that Gabriel gave. But what are a couple things, fun things that you like to do? You talked about being able to have a balance between work yep. and social. Like that's important to you, obviously. What are a couple fun things that you like to do away from the job? So Matt and I make sure we eat dinner together every night. And even when I was working nights and he was working days, we would sleep like in shifts. And I would come home and at like one in the morning, we would make our meals together. And I think, you know, I grew up, in a household where we ate together as a family every night. And that was an important thing. So we make sure we do that together. We try cooking different things. We pick out different restaurants that, you know, we can walk to on Saturday night and always have, have a date night. Um, we like going to museums and checking out different art exhibits. Like we're going to the Van Gogh thing this summer. So we're looking forward to that. And I also have four kitties. Elsa has been here for most of this podcast keeping me company. Nice. Um, but yeah, we have, we have four cats. We have two kittens, um, Elsa, or not Elsa, Sage and Gabby. We got them in November. And we also have Blanche. Blanche has her own Twitter account. She's at Buffalo Blanche. And she showed up at our doorstep at our old apartment as like a teeny tiny kitten. And there was mm. no mom cat around. So we adopted her. So yeah, I would say that the cats keep us very busy. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. All right, time to end with our little fun fact finale. Same format as always. Kelly, I'm just going to ask you some random questions. Not a ton of deep thought recorder. Kind of like sort of rapid fire, but not quite rapid fire. I'm ready. You good for all these? Let's go. Yeah. All right. So this is typically talking about full podcasts is typically a sports podcast. Although I have from time to time news media people like yourself, but we've talked no sports whatsoever today. I got to at least ask you one question: Like, who's your favorite all-time athlete? Any sport doesn't matter. Just name me an athlete that you've always liked. I would say Christy Yamaguchi. Nice. Okay. Yeah. That's a good one. Yeah. I really I I like watching figure skating. Okay. Um. You've been to a lot of them. Favorite city, whether it's for work or pleasure, vacation, whatever. Ooh. Favorite city that you've ever visited? Okay, so besides Buffalo, I would say Toronto. I love visiting Toronto. Toronto. Usually, yeah, usually we go four or five times a year. It's just you feel like you're really far away, even though it's just a short drive from here. I've always considered Toronto like a, a cleaner New York City. <laughs> I know. Yeah, I spent no, a lot of time fantastic. in New York City. It, 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 it I is. would it's rather go nice. to Toronto. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Who is... Who was, I should say, your first ever celebrity crush? Oh, I would say um, Will Wheaton, Wesley Crusher from Star Trek. <laughs> all right, that's yeah. a good one. Yeah. Um, all right, 
so it's late at night, and let's say it's not the sleeping schedules aren't messed up, and you and you and your hubby are not having a one a.m. dinner, but it's a normal sleep schedule for you, whatever. Or it's late at night, you can't sleep. Like, what's your go-to snack? Ice cream, for sure, for sure. What kind? Peanut butter I, cup I, ice cream. Be a little more. Yep. Peanut butter, peanut butter cup. cup. Yep. Chocolate ice cream with big chunks of real peanut butter cups in there. Nice, nice. Yeah. All right. What movie have you rewatched probably more than any other one? So I usually don't rewatch movies, um, but, and this is one I haven't rewatched in a while, Singing in the Rain. I like musicals and I like that story. I like that it's a love story and I like Gene Kelly. Okay. I want you to call yourself out here a little bit. What, what's your, like, what's your worst habit? Ooh, you know, I, I pick at my cuticles and it's not a good habit and it's not a habit I'm proud of. And even if I do my nails as a deterrent, I still pick at them. It's not good. <laughs> Don't do it, people. Don't do it. All right. Name a TV game show that you feel like if you were on it, you could potentially do very well, Ooh. whether it's a current one, something from the past, any or any time, a game show that caught your eye. You're like, I could do good on this show. I think I would be good at the amazing race as long as I had good, a good partner. Yeah. They'd have to be on the same page as me. Yeah. Like I, they would have to be good traveler and be able to figure out what all the clues were, the answers to the clues. Thank you for giving me something different. Cause I'm going to tell you right now, Kelly, eight out of 10 people, maybe even nine out of 10, they always say family feud or I'm like, Oh, oh. yeah. I mean, I would say right? jeopardy too, but I, I would, like to be on the amazing race. That would be my pick if I were to ever be on one game show. Okay. A couple more here. So instead right now, obviously you're in Buffalo. I'm in Florida. We're connected through computer software, but let's yeah. just say we were at, let's say we we're at Gable's gate right now. And we just down some wings. All right. And they got karaoke going on and Ooh, in this world, dangerous. in this world, at least. Yeah. In this world. Okay. So you're going to grab the mic. All right. Like what Ooh. song are you going to rock out? It's going to get, well, you don't necessarily have to rock it out. Whether you rock it out, it could be a ballad, something that the crowd is really going to get into singing oh. along to. Like at least in your own world, what's like your signature karaoke song? Yeah. I don't know if the crowd would get into any of my choices that I would pick because usually if I do karaoke, it's like at a friend's house and not in public. <laughs> um, I usually pick something that's in my range that I know the words to. So I always need the version with the words on the screen. And then I usually complain that there's no sheet music for me to follow along with. But I would pick like a Jewel song probably because she has the same range as I do. And, and I would not say that that would get the crowd pumping. People would probably walk away to get another drink at the bar or boo me. Is, isn't it funny that or ironic? <laughs> That you could um you could go in front of a TV camera knowing that yeah. thousands of people are watching what you're doing live on the air, but yet if there's 25 people at a at a dive bar Oof. for karaoke and you get up right. there, you're probably gonna be 20 times more nervous than you are doing a live shot on a on a, on a big TV news story that you know oh, yeah. lots of people. No, are it's a watch. different vibe. Yeah, it's a different vibe, especially with singing. Like I used in in college, I cantered mass and that that was scary. I would say that is a lot scarier than being on TV in front of way more people. Mm. So this entire interview, we've talked about journalism and you being interested in this 
since you were in high school, you knew this was the path that you were going to pursue and ultimately what you do for a living. But let me ask you this. If you had never gotten involved in this industry, or let's just say that you gave it a shot, you went to school and you went to Wilkes-Barre and Cincinnati and it ended there. And you just said, you know what, this ain't going to work. Like, what do you think you may have went on to do with your life? I think that I would have been a veterinarian or an attorney. Hmm. That's but those require a lot more school. Yeah, no. I mean, the reason why I, before I wanted to be a journalist, I wanted to be a veterinarian, but then I realized how long you had to go to school for. And I did not want to do that. So I right. uh, changed my mind. I changed my mind. <laughs> yeah. Who, who or what is your favorite or favorite, I should say, Twitter follow? Like it's whether it's an organization, a comedian, a person, whatever it may be. Like when you go on Twitter, yeah. And you, and you go on your timeline. Like, what's the first thing that you're looking for? You know, at one time, he doesn't follow me back, which I'm not mad about. But one time, Andy Cohen tweeted mm. back at me. And that was super exciting. I was reading his book on a dinner break in Little Rock. I took a picture of it, tweeted it out. And he was like, you go, anchor lady. So that that was like my Twitter highlight. And that was probably 10 years ago. But anybody who posts cat or dog pictures, thumbs up to them on Twitter or Facebook. And I pretty much, my personal Facebook page, I really don't post on there that much anymore, but I've made it so that my whole feed on Facebook is people's pet pictures because that's just what I want to see because we deal with so much garbage all the time that I just want to see people's pets. Sure. That's fair. Uh, two more here. Give everyone listening a a fun fact about you that maybe even throughout talking for this last hour or so, a fun fact about you that most people have no idea about that they don't Ooh. know. Um, I'm left-handed, but people probably could figure that out because I usually have a pen in my hand when I'm anchoring. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm a pretty good baker, even though I haven't baked much stuff recently. I think the last dessert we made was like a year ago. We made homemade peanut butter cup ice cream. We've got to do that again. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Uh, the, tradi the traditional last question here, I ask every guest the same thing too. I want you to name me three famous dinner guests, any era, Ooh. dead or alive, any time in history, whatever, three famous people, well-known people. If you could have them over tonight for dinner, a drink, some conversation, some laughs, whatever, whatever kind of yeah. vibe you want at your table, three famous dinner guests, who would you have? Ooh, and I don't know how these three would all mesh together, but I would, the first one I would pick would be my dad because he passed away suddenly in 2012. And there's a lot okay. of things I never asked him about that I would want to ask him about. I would Absolutely. also pick, yeah, I would also pick Teddy Roosevelt. Feel like he would okay. be highly entertaining, and I'm also really into U.S. presidents and U.S. presidential history. And then, you know what? I would also invite the two women who used to live in my house because I've been able to find out some information about them online. Like their dad owned a grain store in the early 1900s in downtown Buffalo, and then these two women, I think they never married and they lived together in this house until 1960 when they both were killed in a car wreck because one of them got their driver's license when they were like 70 and they, they wrecked like right near forest lawn. I would want to know like what their lives were like. I just imagine them living here in 1911 when our house was built and like, who were these women? They were sisters and they lived here with their mom. 
So I just think it would be really cool to see what life was like in Buffalo at the turn of that century. That is absolutely fascinating and interesting. Yeah. That wow. That that is that that that's <laughs> that's really that threw me off. I didn't see that one coming. Dad, Teddy Roosevelt. Okay. The two women who used to live in the house that you live in, that did not. (laughs) That's awesome though, man. That's really cool. (laughs) Yeah. One was named Louisa. I can't remember the other one's name, but yeah, I need to do more research about them. (laughs) All right. Everyone listening, give Kelly a follow on Twitter at Kelly Dudzik WGRZ. Of course, check out her work on channel two. She's awesome. Thank you so much for doing this podcast. It was fun getting to know a lot more about you. And this was, uh, not just entertaining, I think for some younger people, because I do get a lot of younger people listening to this show because of guests like yourself that are interested in some form of journalism and just to get your insight and, uh, you know, some advice and stuff along the way. It was, I'm sure it's really helpful to them too. So thank you so much for doing the podcast. Cause it's great talking to you. It's been a pleasure. All right, boys and girls, that is going to do it for another episode. Very big thank you one more time, Kelly Dudzik, Channel 2 News in Buffalo. What a talent. What a great storyteller, too. That was a lot of fun. I really appreciate Kelly doing the podcast. Again, if you aren't doing so already, make sure you give her a follow on Twitter, at Kelly Dudzik, WGRZ. And, of course, check out the awesome work she does on Channel 2. Thank you again, Kelly. Guys, if you have not yet subscribed to this podcast, please, please, please go ahead and do that right now. You can find us on Apple, Spotify, you know, all of them. I don't got to run through them all. We're everywhere, man. Anywhere podcasts are found, rate and review. And of course, you can follow me on Twitter, at Pat Tweets. I like live on Twitter. It's almost embarrassing how much I'm on Twitter, but I'm always on there, man. Podcast updates, promos, upcoming guests, uh, just sports talk, pop culture banner with fans. It's a... Uh, a lot of fun. That's my place to be. So again, at Moran on Twitter. Thank you so, so much for listening. I truly appreciate it, man. I appreciate each and every last single one of you that give 15, 30, 45, 60 minutes, whatever it may be of your time to lock into this show. And it's so humbling. It feels great. So thank you very, very much. Be safe. Have a good one. We'll be back. Brand new show coming up real soon. Take care.